0: Well, happy Father's Day to everyone this morning. I hope it's been a good Father's Day morning so far. I do think it's somewhat surprising that we still celebrate Father's Day here in America since we do live in such a feminist day. And if you are awake and alive in the 21st century and you read media, what you see constantly is patricide, the murder of the father, hatred toward the father. And you might say, well, it's well justified. There is a lot of wickedness perpetrated by fathers and men today here in America and around the world. But as we've been talking about already this morning, our heavenly father is perfect. It's true that our father's Failed, against us, failed us in various ways. Our fathers have sinned against us, but we cannot make the mistake of viewing God the Father through the lens of our fallen earthly father. We have to see all fatherhood in this world and submit that under our perfect heavenly father who never fails us, who always loves us perfectly. So what we're going to look at this morning is A biblical father. Who in here has read the book of Job? Read the book of Job? And when you think of Job, what do you think of? Well, you think of Satan tempting him and him losing everything. Losing his possessions, losing his children. But if you've read through Job toward the end, you see how Job was a father particularly in his community. He wasn't simply a biological father. He was that. But he was a father in the public square. What does the Bible say true religion is? Some of you know your Bibles well. True religion is caring for the widow and for the orphan in their distress. So... We all love soup kitchens. We love crisis pregnancy centers. They do wonderful work here in our community in Cincinnati. But more than that, the work of a father isn't just to live righteously, but as we'll look at in our passage, the work of a father is to also expose the fruitless deeds of darkness right where you are. So it's good we say that When we say we want to live a righteous life, that's good. It's better to actually live a righteous life. But better than both of those is to stand up and expose the wickedness in the community around you. To expose the darkness and shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ on it. And this is what we'll see with our example of Job as a father. What does it look like, the question we're asking, what does it look like to be salt and light in the community that God has you right now here in Cincinnati? Being salt and light to non-Christians obviously is witnessing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we aren't going to be a good witness if we've lost our saltiness and if we're hiding our light under a bushel. Kids, do you hide your light under a bushel? No. Hided it under a bushel? No. We even have uh, Mary Lee shouting out, no. So in the public square, we don't simply mean, it's not just our friends. It's not just our coworkers. It's not just people in our neighborhood. That's part of the public square. But that's not all of it. And we're not talking about just our behavior in the public square. Christians deal with the public square when we are engaging with topics that are in the public eye. So the hot topics that are being talked about today. That affect the general population. So we're talking about politics, the economy. Tragedies like hurricanes or oil spills, current events, other topics in people's mind like abortion, and homosexual mirage, is what Doug Wilson calls it, homosexual mirage, not marriage. Global warming, law, religion, morals, the difference between right and wrong, and philosophy. All these things are what we're talking about this morning in this short time we have. This is the public square. And everybody here is a part of it, even you young ones here. But especially you adults, we cannot escape the public square. You are a Christian in the public square every day, right where you are. The only question is, how salty are you going to be? And how bright is your light going to be as a Christian in the public square? So first we'll open to Job 29. If you'll please stand for the reading of God's word from Job 29, we'll read verses 7 through 25. Listen to Job, this father in his community. When I went out to the gate of the city, when I took my seat in the square, the young men saw me and hid themselves, and the old men arose and stood. The princes stopped talking and put their hands on their mouths. So we have some grandfathers here. They understand to get respect, and it's a good thing. The voice of the nobles was hushed, and their tongue stuck to their palate. For when the ear heard, it called me blessed, and when the eye saw, it gave witness of me. Because, Job says, I delivered the poor who cried for help, and the orphan who had no helper. The blessing of the one ready to perish came upon me. And I made the widow's heart sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy, and I investigated the case, which I did not know. I broke the jaws of the wicked and snatched the prey from his teeth. Then I thought, I shall die in my nest, and I shall multiply my days as the sand." My root is spread out to the waters, and dew lies all night on my branch. My glory is ever new with me, and my bow is renewed in my hand. To me they listened and waited and kept silent for my counsel. After my words they did not speak again, and my speech dropped on them. They waited for me as for the rain and opened their mouth as for the spring rain. I smiled on them when they did not believe and the light of my face they did not cast down. I chose a way for them and sat as chief and dwelt as a king among the troops, as one who comforted the mourners. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So, I am 31, and I am growing in understanding how to respect older men. So in the military, it's yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. And sometimes I'll say yes, sir, to an older man. And some men, are, some men love it, but other men tell me, don't call me that. It makes me feel old, and it makes me just hate young people. Don't call me sir. But older men are worthy of our respect simply because of the life that they lived, they have lived. Young men think that they deserve respect, having done basically nothing in their lives to have actually earned them respect. And so this is another reason why old men kind of look at young men and just kind of shake their heads, right? Job was not an arrogant young man who thought that he had deserved respect when he hadn't actually earned it. Job earned his respect. Why? Because he went around to the young men and said, Don't you know who I am? I'm Job. I'm really old. And you should respect me. Job earned respect. Why and how? Do you remember from the text that we read? Job earned respect by what he actually did in his life. He cared for the orphans and the widows, the least of these. He rescued orphans and women in distress. And that is the type of man who has earned our respect. Right? And everyone here, whether you're a father Man, woman, child, we can do this kind of work of defending the orphan and the widow. So how can kids do this? Well, you think about kids on the playground, and I was just talking with my kids recently. You see the little kid on the playground who maybe isn't so pretty or kind of smells funny, doesn't talk too good, and all the other kids sometimes join in and making fun of that kid. You can be a father to that child by befriending that child, by standing up to bullies who go around and pick on that kid, right? Maybe you've been that kid, and you want to defend the cause of the kids who are picked on. So, we live in a day where we need to be salt and light, right with the people in our lives. So how can you do this? Well, let's bring it down to brass tacks. So I was listing some of the things that make up the public square today. If you want to be uh, just absolutely loved at work, bring up topics like abortion, homosexuality. People will just adore you at work, right? There's, there's one thing, at least in my workplace, there is uh, worship and idolatry of animals today. Maybe you've noticed this with your family members or friends, particularly dogs. People absolutely love, you know, uh, what's the bumper stickers? These are my, these are my fur kids, right? Maybe uh, you've seen this. Maybe some of you have that bumper sticker. But there is, at least with a man that I know, there is little literal idolatry of dogs. Now, he uh, rescues dogs. And that's, and that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But it's so easy for people to love dogs. I know close acquaintances who have told me, I love dogs more than I love people. Well, why? Well, because it's easier to deal with dogs than it is with people. Because people are sinners. You give a dog a treat, man's best friend. That dog will sidle up to you for his lifetime, right? But caring for sinners is difficult work. To be a nursing father to people is difficult. Job, if you were listening to the text there in Job 29, he's justifying himself. Here is how he acted in the public square. He helped the weak. He helped the needy. The poor. Job helped the orphans. Those who had no one to help them. In college, I took a week-long missions, short-term missions trip to Dnipropetrovsk, Ukraine. The abortion rate in Russia and Ukraine is astronomical. It's so sad. And children are just abandoned on the side of the hill. We were at a baby hospital, and these kids, a lot of the Russian and Ukrainian nurses, they don't give a lot of affection to the children. It's pretty hands-off. And so you have these kids here in these cribs all over this baby hospital. Some are dying from various diseases. There's no medical care. There's one little girl who is kind of cloistered off, sweet, beautiful little girl who was dying of AIDS at like the age of two or three. And so we came into this baby hospital, and we're holding these babies, these beautiful Ukrainian boys and girls. And like I said, they didn't get a lot of affection. So we go to put them down in their cribs, and they're just wailing, crying, like, please, please don't leave us. Just how important, how important. Affection is. Job cared for the least of these, the orphans who were abandoned. He pled their cause. He helped the weak and the needy. Job goes on in 29, here, chapter 29. His behavior was righteous, he was a just man. He didn't just say to the young men, I'm a righteous man. He lived it. If uh, you young men have looked up verses to fight lust, for example, you know that Job had done what? He had made a vow with his eyes to not look with lust upon a maiden. The text says that Job broke the jaws of the wicked, and he saved people from the jaws of the wicked. So what does that mean? I mean, you picture Job, you know, going up to a lion, breaking his jaws, Job spoke wisdom and he spoke the truth. After seeking it out thoroughly, Job says in this chapter, the matter he didn't know, he sought it out and that's wise, that is fatherly. If you don't know a case, you have your kids who were fighting And you come into the room, the one's screaming, so obviously the other one did it, right? Well, not necessarily. A father and a mother, they know their kids well. Sometimes the kid who's screaming is the one who incited the whole trouble in the first place. But some kids know, like, the right decibel to reach to drive dad and mom crazy enough that they'll come in and want to discipline the other kid, right? Job was wise, He sought the matter out thoroughly that he didn't know. How easy it is for a dad and a mom to just fly off the handle and be impatient and be angry. These are some of my sins with my kids. So pray for me that I'll be patient and not angry as a father. What we learn from Job is that he was salty in the public square. He served the least of these. In other words, he didn't serve himself. You fathers, you mothers, you who lead by example, it's not about you. If you want to be salt and light, it's all about serving others and not yourself. So uh, the political parties, there might be Democrats in here, Republicans, Libertarians, something else. Here's a little summary. Democrats say, I want your money, so give it to me. Republicans say, this is my money, and you can't have any of it. And libertarians, who apparently forgot to grow up, they say, you're not the boss of me, and I can do what I want. It's a free country. Well, you all know what kind of trouble that gets you into. But each of those philosophies, it's really self-serving at its core. They often... Politicians often posture themselves as looking out for the least of these, but in reality, it's often self-serving. Who in our community, who are the least of these? Right here in Cincinnati. Well, it's children who are being aborted. They don't have a voice for someone to step in and help save them. Little sons and daughters to the tune of over 1 million sons and daughters every year, aborted and murdered here in America. But who are the least of these? Who else here in Cincinnati? Children who are fatherless, children with no dad, who just need a dad to play catch with them, and much more. Mothers who have been abandoned, those who have been sexually abused, these are the least of these here in Cincinnati who need our care. Job, again, he puts on righteousness. He lives a holy life. If you don't live a holy life, you will undercut any other work you are supposed to be doing for others. You'll be praying on others rather than serving them. And you'll disgrace the name of Jesus Christ. Whose name should be high and lifted up here in your life. So live a holy life. Job confronts the wicked and Job breaks their jaws. Again, what does this look like to break the jaws of the wicked? This is not a call to literally punch people in the face and knock their teeth out. And it is certainly not a call to arms. The civil authority has been given the sword to punish the wicked. So we have police officers here. We have the judge and the courts who have the sword to punish. And that hasn't been given to us. It's been given to the civil authority. Any Batman fans out there, young men? Batman is a bad role model. You know the term vigilante? I'm going to take the law into my own hands, you know... Judge, jury, executioner. That's a bad example. In Job's era, the men of the city gate were the civil authority. And Job held civil authority. So listen to these couple of verses from the chapter. Job held civil authority. When I went out to the gate of the city, when I took my seat in the square, the young men saw me and hid themselves, and the old men arose and stood. The princes stopped talking and put their hands on their mouths. The voice of the nobles was hushed, and their tongue stuck to their palate. In verse 25 at the end, I chose a way for them and sat as chief, and dwelt as a king among the troops, as one who comforted the mourners. Notice how tender and kind Job is. He doesn't write, I chose a way for them and sat as chief and dwelt as a king among the troops, and everyone respected me as they should. That's Islam, right? Job says, I dwelt as king among the troops and one who comforted the mourners. Those who had lost loved ones, those who were sad, I comforted them as a nursing father. Job. Broke the jaws of the wicked. The prey of the wicked are saved from their teeth, he writes. The wicked didn't literally have orphans in their teeth. But we see the metaphor. Listen to Proverbs 30, verse 14. There is a kind of man whose teeth are like swords, and his jaw teeth like knives to devour the afflicted from the earth and the needy from among men. You see, how, you see the metaphor. A man who eats others, his power is in his jaw. His power is in what he says. To break the jaws of the wicked is to take away his power to oppress others and to release them from his wicked words. This confrontation that Job's describing, it's in order to save those weak people who are their prey. Remember, to be salty is not to serve yourself, but to serve others. So, how can we be like Job today? You men, women, children, how can we be like Job today? Obviously, we need men like Job in the government writing laws to protect the least of these. We need lawyers, we need politicians, that's true. However, we can and must really do this work ourselves, outside of government. The weak and helpless really are being destroyed by the wicked. And we do have the power to stop that. You know, you should be thinking right now, in your community, at your job, in your family, there are... Wicked people oppressing the weak, right in our community. So one example, Boniface, Tom sent out an email, an article, what did, what did Boniface do? Where there was this giant oak tree that was Thor's oak tree in Boniface's day. And it was understood among all the pagans that anyone who touched Thor's tree Well, he's going to rain down fire and lightning and consume them, right? So what did Boniface do? He just went along with the crowd, didn't say anything. Weak with all the rest, right? Just let the pagans die in their ignorance? No. Boniface took an axe and went up to the tree, and all these pagans gathered around to see Thor come down and blow Boniface up, right? burn him down to ashes, what happened? Boniface took the axe to the tree and cut the giant tree down. What did the people do? They were baptized that day in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we need men and women and children like Boniface. And you say, well, so what does that look like? Thor's oak isn't out here, you know, in Milford. Am I advocating going and smashing idols at pagan temples? No, that's not what I'm talking about. In that article about Boniface, number one, recognize that you have enemies. If you're a Christian today in America with hot topics in the public square like homosexuality, sodomy, abortion... It doesn't take much speaking to have enemies, right? Now, you can be tactful. The article wasn't advocating for just go ahead, go at, going out and being a jerk and having enemies just for the sake of having enemies. But culture always changes in small areas, right? Culture always changes in our homes, at the workplace, by the water cooler. When you are silent, You are being unfaithful to Jesus Christ. And when you speak up in love, it honors Jesus Christ. Even if it's a feeble, weak attempt to speak the truth of the gospel. You get better with time at it, right? But if you never open your mouth, then there are pagans dying in their sins who need Jesus Christ, who need you to speak up. So recognize that you have enemies. And then tell those enemies the truth. Tell them the truth that Jesus came for sinners like us. And then lay down your life for those enemies. Pray for them, serve them, and love them. Obey all of the Apostle John's writings to love one another here. And we will see pagans coming to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ here in Cincinnati. We have the power, in our words, to stop wickedness. We need to speak up. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Young men, this should get you Excited for the destruction of fortresses. This isn't some lame video game or a board game. This is reality. For the destruction of fortresses, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let me ask, what is the powerful weapon that we have? What's the weapon we have? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news that Jesus died for sinners like us. The wisdom of God and foolishness to the world. So it's amazing how many men and women, when you're talking about homosexuality, for example, how many will say, it's not sin at all, and you're being hateful by calling it a sin. And so I had a conversation with a coworker, and I said, well, you might love those who are tempted by same-sex intimacy. You might love them more than the men and women who go out and light them on fire. That's true. But you don't love them more than me because I love them by calling them to repentance and faith, knowing that I'm a sinner myself. The gospel of Jesus Christ, he died. We're, we're all condemned under the law. When you get in these conversations, don't forget the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're all condemned because, of, because not only of our sins, but of Adam's sin. And the good news is that Jesus Christ came for sinners like us. And finally here with Job, he's filled with argument-ending wisdom. Job is filled with mocker-silencing wisdom. He knows his stuff because he has studied. He is confident to open his mouth because he's read. Young people, do your reading. This comes from a lot of time of studying being salt and light is preaching the good news because you know the good news. You know your Bible. It might seem obvious to us, but sometimes we can get confused about this. We think that the primary goal is some physical sort of salvation. It's We must have His Word in our hearts, on our lips, so that we will be salty. What is the goal as we're talking with people? The gospel for the saving of people's souls. Can you preach the gospel without offending people? The gospel is offensive. God's word is offensive. If you read through the sermons of the New Testament, if you read the words of Jesus, Jesus said, the most offensive things to particular people, knowing exactly who he was talking to and how he was offending them. He said the most offensive things that have ever been recorded. Again, I'm not talking about being offensive just for the sake of being a jerk, but God's word is offensive, and don't be afraid of it. Don't be ashamed. Is it, is it Spurgeon who said... God's word is like a lion. You don't need to defend the lion. You let the lion out and the lion will defend itself. Have faith in God's word. Ephesians 5. You can turn turn there or just listen along. Ephesians 5 has more of the point that I'm talking about with Job. Job lives a righteous life. He speaks righteously but he also exposes the deeds of darkness. This is the theme we keep coming back to this morning. Expose the deeds of darkness in a loving way. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or a covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So, let me ask you, how do wicked men keep people under oppression? Keeping them ignorant. by the doctrines of demons that leave people living in darkness and fear without freedom, without hope in the world. So slavery in America, it was dependent on people having no knowledge of man being made in God's image. So pastors, preachers would come in to preach to the slaves and the slave owners didn't want that. Why? Because the language of Scripture is freedom in Christ, freedom away from slavery. Abortion is the same. Homosexuality. Right now, we're being browbeaten to accept a murderous practice where men kill other men and themselves for pleasure. They spread disease that murders people. The World Health Organization even declared that every single man who does this should be taking antiretroviral drugs. So in other words, drugs to help prevent you from getting HIV and AIDS. How do we break the jaws of the wicked in closing? Declare the truth. Speak the truth. Shine your light, the light of Jesus Christ, on it. Wake up those who are sleepy. Raise them from the dead by the power of Christ's gospel, and he will shine on them. That's what we just read in Ephesians 5. When you defeat the lies, you've broken the power of the wicked. When men wanted to preach to the slaves, the slaveholders didn't want it, because Scripture says, You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You shall be free indeed. You'll be heirs of God, sons of the Father. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't look back to slavery in Egypt. Be free in Christ. The violence of the wicked is dependent on people believing the lies of the empty philosophies and doctrines of demons that they propagate with their mouths. And this is how the wicked oppress the weak. They have a loud mouth. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is louder. If we will speak up, if we study God's word, we will have the word of truth to break these lies and break their jaws effectively. This will make us enemies, but God is powerful. Our Heavenly Father Always protects us. And he promises that he'll give his spirit with words to say in that time of need. Happy Father's Day. Let's pray.